Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, everyone. I'm Steve Sutherland, and uh, welcome to the fifth and final podcast of this uh, exclusive series where we've been chatting to Charlton legend Keith Peacock. Keith and I have both been ambassadors of Charlton Athletic Community Trust. And thank you very much indeed for those of you who have donated to the Trust because uh, uh, it's, it's so much appreciated. The Trust, as we've said before in these programmes, are really working hard, playing an essential part in supporting the Greenwich Community Hub for residents of Greenwich who, uh, who might be struggling, might be vulnerable. Uh, so they're delivering food parcels, they're collecting prescriptions and providing other support. So uh, as well as all the other work that goes on, CACT is, is still very much playing its role in the, in the community. So your donations have been much appreciated and we'll give you the link for you to uh, make a donation at the end of this one as well. So uh, in the past series, we've been talking to Keith about his career from starting as a 17-year-old all the way through his playing career, his, his his uh, emigration to the States for, uh, in, during the 80s, starting out as a manager in his own right at Gillingham and Mayston, reserve manager at QPR, then obviously coming back. And now uh, where we left it was that uh, we're in 2006 and Alan Kerbishley had decided to uh, move on in his career and he got clapped off the pitch in a guard of honour at the Blackburn game. His final game was at Man United. So let's uh, let's say hello again to you, Keith. You're okay? Hi, Steve. Yes, good to speak to you again. And you, Keith. And uh, these uh, these have been fascinating for me, so um, I hope you've been enjoying them as well, these reminiscences of yours. Um, and uh, so let's pick it up from there then, Keith. Curbs had gone. Nice Clap off the pitch at Blackburn home game. Final game was quite fitting, really. It was at Old Trafford. Alan's future lay elsewhere. What did you see your future as doing at that point? Well, I really thought it was going to be a time to get those golf clubs out. I think I'd already started to polish them a few days after. Um, I'm thinking I'll have more time to do a bit of golf because what happened was... um, Curbs left immediately after the Man United game. Uh, so did Mervyn. I was still at the club. And um, it was about a week or so afterwards, late that week, I spoke to Richard Murray and we were talking about managers that could come in now that Curbs had gone, all, all round things. And then really, I was feeling that the whole situation would be better if I made a break. And I spoke to Richard about that and said, look, I'm best making a break as well. Whoever comes in will have a clean sheet to start again. And Wouldn't you have fancied start. pitching for it, Keith? At that Sorry? Moment. Wouldn't you have fancied um, putting your hat in the ring for the, well, for the job? N- no, actually, I had no 
feelings about that. It was just, do I carry on and new people come in? And I thought we had such, we finished on such a great note um, with Curbs and Mervyn, myself, we had a, such a successful time during yeah. that period. It's probably the right time to leave. And, and it gave also the board and, and Richard, who was uh, head of things at the time, a, a clean sweep. So whoever came in could get their own assistant, their own first team coach, etc. And that's what was decided so a fairly brief meeting. You know, we were speaking for 45 minutes an hour. Uh, yeah. That was the outcome. And I was now, came home, had a word with Leslie, told her what um, uh, the future is going to be. She was right behind that. Um, happy to be having me at home. So yeah. She said, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a comment there, Keith. <laughs> but within such a short time, it was uh, a week or so later, a call from Alan Pardew changed all that. Uh, and Alan was a Alan was at West Ham, of course, uh, at that time as manager. He'd uh, He'd been quite sought after as well. I think West Ham waited for him as well to take him, didn't they, from Reading? Yes, indeed. They, he was on guardian leave. He did very well at Reading. Uh, Reading wouldn't let him go. They put him on guardian leave. He then got to West Ham and, of course, did ever so well. And they they were in the cup final, the, you know, just a few uh, on that season before, the 2006 ending season. They got to the cup final, lost to West, uh, lost to Liverpool in the last yeah. week. Yeah, so they were in a very high situation. Pars was as well, um, and he just—it was a fairly short conversation in a way. It was just—he said, "You're too young to retire. I want you across here." And I thought about it and decided, "Yes, I, I will go." What was it? Because you you said you'd made you sort of made up your mind to pick up your golf clubs, <laughs> and you were synonymous with Charlton. Charlton had been a big part of your of, of your career. What was it? I mean, I, I know he's a persuasive devil, Alan, but what was it that made you decide? Do you know what? I'm going. I'm going to. I'm going to go to West Ham. It was one. It was just one of those. I say on the spur. It was put to me, as you say. Parts is very persuasive. Can be very persuasive. Is full of positive vibes. He was doing well, uh, and he would allow me to uh, have certain days off when necessary, which is part of the agreement. So I, I, I was not part. I was pretty much full time, but um, but a few little moments where I could get away myself. So. Um, so what role had he identified for you, Alan, at West Ham? He just said, I want you there in the building, around the building, as coach. We'll just name you as coach, and I can be there advising, helping, taking sessions, and in an all-round capacity. Which I thought was, well, that's a perfect situation. That's perfect, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so at that point, I suppose you thought that was your Charlton career over. And you're now on to your, your West Ham. Yes, and, and talking, I mean, this was going across, we're just taking one season at a time, really. Yeah. And, um, yeah, great wrench to leave Charlton, I mean, you can imagine. I yes. mean, yeah. so many years there. However, you get used to kind of moving on to the next direction. And instead of the golf course, it was at West Ham, and uh, quite an interesting time was ahead of me. It was, and, and on the books at the time were, were a couple of... Uh, Charlton connected players, weren't they? 
Yes, Chessy. Lee Bowyer, of course. Yes. So it's funny, true. Keith, how our paths cross backwards and forwards in, in football careers, isn't it? Yes, very much so. And um, he he had a he's doing so very well. And we, as we go into the season, and and I I went on tour with the team. Parsons goes out to myself and Peter Grant, who was the assistant manager, sort of in charge on that uh, first get together, as you could say, as we prepare for the season. And one player that stood out for me was a fellow called Dean Ashton. We had we had Teddy Sheringham coming to the end of his career. He must have been forty-one. Magnificent player still. Yes, he always said. Um, you know, he he wasn't the quickest, but he he didn't didn't really lose any pace. He was always the same pace. Mm. You know, when you get very quick flying wingers and they lose a bit of pace, you notice the difference. They're not quite successful. But his brain was superb, and he was he was excellent. However, Dean Ashton was the new uh, Teddy Sheringham, him a young one on the scene, and unfortunately he got injured. Uh, West Ham signed him from Norwich, didn't they, for a lot of money? Yes, I don't know how much, but it was a it was a big signing and a successful one as well. And you know, I remember talking to you before about the, uh, Dean Ashton, but you you believe he would have gone on to have a, a hell of an England career, don't you? I think he would have played a number of games. He just he could hold the ball up, he could score with either foot in the air, and he was powerful, um, and he was a team player. It was uh, a tragedy. He, he, he was injured in a. He got into the injury squad, got an injury, and that he never recovered from. And of course, we never re- West Ham never recovered that season really from losing him. No, because I suppose uh, Alan and yourself uh, and, and Peter Grant and Kevin King, Kevin King was there as well, wasn't he at the time? I suppose you, you you were just going to build your attack around Dean Ashton. Yes, the the object was Ashton was there as the main man up front. Probably like Kurt Kermigan was us for us later on. Yes, uh, in the years when Chris Powell was there at Charlton, and so that was the focal point, and things would go off him. And when he was injured, or if he tired or had a knock. The, the idea was always Teddy Sheringham comes on and never let the side down. Great experience, but that didn't happen. And uh, as, a, as an aside, Teddy Sheringham featured in Harry's Heroes last night, didn't he? Um, the Harry yes. Redknapp, um, on former players on tour last night. Um, That's and right. he, he still looks like he could play now. Yes, absolutely. Some um, players just have that natural, they can go on to older ages. In Previous in, in this series, we talked about Stanley Matthews playing a, an old age. But, I mean, Teddy Sheringham was, what, was he 40 then, Keith? Yes, 40, coming up 41, he was. And he was Incredible. In great condition. It was, a lot of it was just this natural physique of power. Um, he'd always work hard in the gym afterwards, after every session. Um, I, would, I would do the same thing with him and go through with him on his routines and um, but he, he would just he tapered down in terms of the energy he spent during the midweek during the training session yeah yeah now that year at West Ham was was uh, an interesting year it was an eventful year I think we can call it that as well can't we because there was a constant talk of 
takeover in the air at uh, at uh, West Ham, wasn't there around that time? Yes, there was a uh, take uh, takeover bids. I think going a number of occasions for a number of weeks as well. It seemed to drag on, and Kier uh, European uh, looked as though he may be coming in, um, either with a consortium or he himself involved. I thought at one stage, but it was um, the Icelandic group, Magnusson, who actually took over. Yeah, Eggert, Eggert Magnusson, wasn't he? That's correct, yes. So but uh, Kirch uh, Jurachian, uh, to use his... <laughs> I apologise to him if I mispronounced that, but um, he was to play a role, though, because he, he made West Ham an offer they can't really refuse, didn't he? Yes, we had the opportunity um, through him to actually get Tevez and Mascareno, who I had seen play uh, first-hand when I went to So, yeah, two really good players, just getting into the uh, full international side, and we could have them on a free transfer. Quite good wages, obviously, they would need. Mm. But, uh, and Paz had to make that decision, do I upset the team a little bit by bringing two foreign players in at that stage because it was all uh, British players who were playing for his uh, his team at that time and had done so successful, they were so successful. So, but what he did, he got the two players in and off we went into the new season. I think we had just played a few games and then they came in. Yeah, yeah. And but that Alan was a little bit reluctant to take them because of just getting them getting them into the team shape or or because of the effect they might have on team yeah. morale or team structure. Probably it was different. You had two players here that were um, they were free transfers, but they were worth a lot of money. So. I don't know whether the wage scale, I would have thought I didn't get involved in that, but it would no. automatically be lifted to accommodate them. Um, and just a different way, they had never played in English football before. Right. And that can be very important. So it's a bit echoes of uh, Ardiles and Villa, that's first a little bit. Yes, you could say that. You could say that. Um, so, and they did magnificently. And it took a bit of time for, and don't forget, we weren't like Tottenham were flying probably that year as well. We started off and life was a bit more difficult. We were in uh, Europe. We played two games against Palermo before we lost, but that we, we didn't really need that at that stage. We, we're building ourselves up at West Ham at that stage to really do really what Charlton managed to stay middle of the table have perhaps have a cup run. Yeah, it's an interesting one that because um, it, 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 can, it can stretch a team's resources playing in Europe, can't it? It can. You've played midweek and you've played against some magnificent players in Europe and then you're going to play with no due respect at uh, Middlesbrough, Bolton and Blackburn and they they can just take the foot off the players can take the foot off the pedal and it, and they can lose a game, a draw a game, and they should be winning them. But the the season wasn't going too well. I don't think at that early stage, um, certainly up until Christmas, that Te Tevez and Mascherano were actually setting the world alight, were they? No, it was because we, we couldn't get the goals. The goals were missing. So, invariably, 
we're doing okay. Um, Mascarano sits in that middle of midfield, in the protecting the back four. That was his role. He's always played, so he's never going to get a goal. Um, Tevez hoping would get a goal, but it was fitting in exactly how we would play him, um, and he didn't speak any English at that time, and um, it was it wasn't quite. And we're missing that Ashton up front. So we lost a number of games, 1-0 or drew 1-1. And so we were struggling a bit. It wasn't quite happening. No, I can, I can imagine. And, and um, unfortunately, I mean, results didn't really pick up for, for Alan, did they? And um, the Christmas that year, I think it was, wasn't it? The, the, um, the board under the new Icelandic... Uh, owners decided to make a managerial change. Yes, it came about. There were rumours at the time. The, the crowd were very, um, pretty much behind Paz all the time in terms of uh, uh, the, the type of football he was playing. Always played, uh, got the players playing, but very extravagant and always trying to attack. Um, but yeah, there was pressure on. We were working our way down the league. Uh, probably Tevez hadn't quite got going, didn't quite fit in his best position, and out of the not out of the blue, but uh, it was a bit of a shock when I think it was just uh, second week in December um, that uh, amid rumours, I then had a phone call because was on the other end. We said, "I'm just letting you know, kid, I'm coming in tomorrow. We'll have a chat." See you there at uh, whatever. We had a brief, brief conversation about the players, etc. And I paddled up with curves again, <laughs> which is quite, as I said, it's, it's quite amazing how, how connections come go, come go in your life. And um, but just before before we say about Alan coming coming to West Ham, the club where he started his career, of course. Um, Sven Goran Eriksson was being linked at the time. I remember with West Ham, John. Absolutely, absolutely. He was a favourite. Every everyone was saying once the pass was sacked, that Eriksson was coming in. So, um, I mean, I would have left there and then, and I actually said, "Well, oh, pass, I'm leaving now. I've finished." Yeah. The sensible yeah. thing is, yeah, for any professional, you stay there and you just wait to see. Who walks through the door and then make that decision? Yeah, which I did, and um, uh, Goves came in and took over uh, a difficult situation because it, it was we were down there. I don't know. We were fairly near the bottom, but not not sunk right at the bottom. So, it, so in a way, you know, and. Blues Brothers speak, you reformed the band, didn't you? Because Mervyn Day came back, Mervyn yes. Allen. Yes. Um, and so all of a sudden, Kirbishley, Peacock and Day were back in harness again. Yes. Uh, West Ham. Yes, it, it, was, it was so strange how that happened. Um, and of course, not only that happened, but um, Paz was soon to go to Charlton. Well, well, absolutely. But let's just just quickly um, before we, we we talk about that, we'd already said it was at Christmas. Um, but uh, Alan's first game was Manchester United, and you beat them. 
And we, we beat them 1 0. So, actually, looking at it, the last game Kerbs was uh, involved in was at Man- against Manchester United away, which we lost 4 0. And then his first game was Manchester United again. But at home this time, we won 1 0, so he got us to a nice start. Um, life after that became difficult for a, for a few months, but uh, that got him off to a, a great start. But he would need to change things um, compared with the way cards played. So he had a way, uh, more solid way of playing as well. Yeah, well, you know, um, let's, uh, obviously we're going to carry on with your career at West Ham, but, but we can't really over, as you've already alluded to, Alan Pardew was announced as Charlton's manager on Christmas Eve. Um, so... You've effectively done a bit of a job swap situation going there. Um, so now Alan's ensconced at, at uh, SE7. You're, you, Alan, and Mervyn are still at West Ham, and the results kept still kept going badly. And Alan, what was Alan's view on uh, Tevez and Mascherano? Alan Kirbyshley. Um With Tevez, to begin with, he, he was. I mean, he was always a bit overweight, uh, didn't particularly look the part um, as a player, especially compared with a lot of modern-day shapes of uh, footballers. Uh, he, he couldn't speak any English, so we had to have an interpreter there all the time. So it, it wasn't quite happening, but as we went on, certain things did happen. But if we can rush it, not rush, if we can zip through the next couple of months where... It became difficult to get good results. We weren't doing very well at all, sliding down the week. This is when I'm saying us now, us at West Ham. Um, yeah. And at the same time, Pars had kicked on with Charlton. They, they were doing very well. Then we yeah, I mean, just to anchor this, just the timeline this, Alan's immediate successor, Alan Kirby's immediate successor at Charlton, of course, was Ian Dowie. Um, that didn't last long. Uh, Les, Les Reed came in uh, as, as manager. That didn't last long. And um, and that's when Charlton turned to Alan Pardew. So that's sort of brought us up to speak with what's, what's happening at the two clubs. Yeah. Um, but uh, there was a game that I don't think you enjoyed very much, did you, Keith, really? Um, at your West Ham career because Alan Kirbishley's West Ham were playing Alan Pardew's Charlton at the Valley. Who would have believed that a year previous? Exactly. No, exactly. It's, yeah. Um, no, I, I must admit, I just was not looking forward to the game, uh, coming back, uh, sitting on the wrong side of the director's box. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'd always mainly sit out there anyway, and uh, and the game at Fort West Ham became a disaster. Paz was on a good run, and um, Jerome Thomas, um, who was, could be an excellent player on his day, caused lots of trouble, so did Darren Ben. We lost 4-0, and that looked, at that stage, that Charlton were flying, Paz was turning it around, curved, and all of us were struggling to get a good result. 
And if that wasn't bad enough, that was one of the darkest days. We had yes. a chance the next week we were at home and we, uh, West Ham played against Tottenham. Yes. And we were, I think we were winning 3-2, which we thought, oh, a lifeline. There's a lifeline coming here. And they scored two in the last five minutes. We lost four, three. Yeah. So you can imagine now, there's nine games to go. And on paper, we need to win possibly seven, win seven. And you just let eight goals in in two matches. Absolutely. It, it was, uh, we were down. West Ham were relegated at that stage. There's now, no way. We'd only time, didn't one. Curbs then turn to Tevis and also a young Mark Noble? Yeah, big decision. We talked about it. That two things that the two people the crowd loved during these difficult times at West Ham, they cheered Noble. He was a, a bit like Scotty Parker, you could say. Yeah, uh, one of our, he was one of ours. He's come through the youth team. He's he wears his heart on his sleeve, uh, and he he was cheered all the time. Every time he got a game, so he was in there, and he, he kept him in the heart of the midfield, and. Tevez playing and what what we did and, and pushed him further forward rather than having him coming off and playing just to kept him the furthest man forward and Zamora coming deep. Probably Zamora, yeah, cool. Yeah, Zamora was and Zamora played more of a holding up the ball, but he could get down the sides as well. And so, you know, it, it changed the system a little bit. He just tweaked it a bit, and I thought that made. A big difference at that stage, and well, as I said, the rest was incredible. The next game, we're really now down. We're one nil down against Blackburn in the next very next game, and uh, we, as I said, we've got to win seven out of the next nine. We're one nil down. Here we go again, and then an amazing thing happens. Uh, someone had a shot from a corner. Tevez was right on the line, and it, instead of jumping over it, he. He tried to jump over it and he cleared it off the line. It didn't go over the line. The linesman gave a goal. Uh, we were 1-1. We didn't even put our arms out saying, oh, that, that's a goal for left. Nothing like that. He gave us a goal. So we, everyone just ran back and got on with it. And then we uh, had a penalty uh, that was never a penalty. Tevez <laughs> Tevez. Took it. I think he got brought, brought down, and it was very dubious penalty. We won two one. It, it was a ludicrous result, really. But some, some, at least that world was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> then we but, won the next but, home game. Well, I remember that, that. I think it might have been the next game. But I mean, I remember watching it on match of the day. I mean, it was the proverbial. If it was a boxing match, it would have been stopped. But you, you won one nil at Arsenal. Yeah, they, well, there you are. We had we played Middlesbrough, I think, in between one two nil. So that gave us a bit of confidence. Went to Arsenal. Noble made a few, as I mentioned, Scotty Parker, Bowyer, Lee Bowyer type tackles to get the the crowd revved up. The smaller crowd, obviously, at West, so the West Ham supporters. And there's Zamora scored. I don't. It was in the second half, I think, or just yeah. And it was a terrific goal. But it's the only time we really had a shot at goal. In fact, the fans were chanting, we've only had one shot. Um, and 1-1-0. Uh, and that 
after that, I think we won the next six after that. We may have lost one game in between. Well, um, I mean, basically, the Tevez, Mascherano um, Rescue Act, but then that caused West Ham an awful lot of problems, didn't it? Um, because you did stay up that season. Um, sadly, over at SE7, Alan was unable to keep Charlton up and Charlton went down. Yes, I mean, it was it was such a reversal of the uh, situation since we played them. Uh, we played against Charlton. Yeah. Um, it's difficult to say when I'm using we. I use we. Yeah, I know. And I'm saying Alan a lot. Of course, there's two Alans. Yeah, and there's two Alans. Just a complicated <laughs> um, But Because then after that game, we soon started to go up and get in touch with the um, safety. And of course, Paz was slipping down with Charlton that year. We had to go to Man United away. They have to go to uh, Charlton, go to Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. Two easy games for both sides, really. <laughs> of course. We, we got an amazing 1 0 win and then heard on the radio that uh, Liverpool had won 2 1. And so there was a complete reversal of what seemed to be the obvious fortunes of both the clubs. So, um, obviously, everyone knows that the. the uh, the arguments about the rights and wrongs of uh, the transfer of Tevez and Mascherano and third party ownership, and, and that ended up in a massive row, legal row with Sheffield United. But uh, what was uh, so you come to the end of the season, you was, you'd stayed up against the odds. West Ham had stayed up. Sadly, Charlton had gone down, but you, West Ham, where you were, had stayed up. Now, what's Alan? What now? What's uh, Keith Peacock thinking at that time? Well, I'd put off my retirement really the year before, <laughs> and now uh, it was time to to come out and really give a bit more time to life at home. Uh, it had been an incredible finish at West Ham, but um, I, I, I'd gone there. Um, it was always going to be more short time, uh, short term, going there, and Curves had to build again on what he got going. And um, no, that that was the time for me to go into what would be proper retirement and uh, say goodbye to any coach, you know, managerial roles. Did the curves try and change, make you change your mind, or sorry, did curves try and make no, you change your no, mind? We, we had a chat, and it was it was good for both of us. It was it was it was fine. I I just felt it was right. I think it was right for both. Uh, Curb situation, my situation, um, and we had a, I had to start afresh and, and having time to myself and really get on the golf course, which I did. Yes. Um, yes. I managed to get my handicap down from 24 to 15. I'd comment if I knew what that meant. I mean, I'm, I'm <laughs> not being a golfer, but sounds, sounds good, Keith. Yeah, it's not really, it's, it's right. Um, Okay, so you've had one year at West Ham. That uh, that was unexpected. You've worked with um, two of your former colleagues previously, Charlton colleagues. Uh, it's quite a strange story went away, isn't it? So your year at West Ham started with 
Alan Pardew ended with Alan Kirbishley. Now you think you're starting life on the golf course. And now talk, talk to me now about how Charlton came back on the radar key. Yes, well, when I left with um, uh, that conversation with Richard, uh, Richard Murray at the time, it, it was kind of, I don't know if it was mooted, but perhaps, uh, right, I need to come out of the, the game, uh, enjoy myself a little bit more in a relaxed atmosphere, um, have more time at home, and then perhaps it would be a, an opportunity to come back to Charlton in a different role. You know, yeah. I, I hope in a way, oh, that may happen further down the line. But now we're, we've gone further down the line by one season. And I had a call from Peter Varney on behalf of Richard Murray and the board at that time, yeah. about a couple of months before the, uh, the next season began, to come aboard at Charlton as an honorary associate director, which was just perfect. I, I said, absolutely, it's my privilege and pleasure to get back to my spiritual home. Right, so um, so, so for the third time, you're back at Charlton. Yes, indeed. In your career. I've done a hat-trick there. Yeah. Um, and back at Charlton, and Alan Pardew's manager still at Charlton. Yes, Alan's uh, manager there, or very same bubbly character, but he... It didn't quite happen for him, and it can happen to a number of managers, but perhaps he just didn't, didn't get it going the right way. There were different things that probably happened at the club, or letting players go and not letting them go, or, or whatever it was. But he, after a season, I think it was or so, he was fired by the board, and Phil Parkinson came in. But yeah. up until then, I think it had a very good record uh, as a manager, but at Charlton it didn't happen. He'd be the first to admit that. And Phil Parkinson had been his coach, his number two, of course. Yes, a very good, honest, straightforward man, steady, you, you know, a real sound sort of character and someone like that couldn't help but like from the off, you know, and part of, part of a lot of him as well. So, um, Keith, football fans hear a lot about, um, um, you know, associate directors and things like that. But how did you see your role at this time? You had uh, Phil wasn't an inexperienced manager because he'd, ma he'd managed Colchester, didn't he? Um, yes. Yeah. How did you? How was your role um, used as associate director at that time? It, it was mainly at, uh, for the next year or two, whatever it was. Um, that I'd be there, I'd be in the boardroom, uh, go to away games, not all the away games, but certain away games, uh, meet up with the board of directors there, what directors came, Richard Murray would be at most games, um, and then um, home games, I would be in the boardroom, and uh, it was good for Richard, would often ask me to, uh, if he wasn't going to get there, early if I could be there uh, before him and chat to the opposite directors and different personalities that came in there. So it's, it was perfect from that point of view. At the training ground I'd pop by now and again and I was always there if anyone wanted to have a general chat. But there was a, it was more of that, uh, not an ambassadorial role at that point, but 
in with the directors of um, talking with and to the opposition when they came to the ground and also keeping in touch with the manager himself. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah, I, am I right in saying similar sort of role that um, Derek Ufton would have played? Yes, perhaps more on those lines, uh, you know, where you'd, you'd talk to the the day manager, whoever he may be. The, the view um, from the dressing room type thing for the board. Yes, but more detached, yes. you know, much more detached. But um, being a younger Younger, oldie in those days, <laughs> it was yeah. probably a, a nice position to have for the club, hopefully, and certainly for me because I enjoyed it. Yeah. Now, um, sadly, you'd gone back to the club at a time when um, a mixture of finances uh, and bad form, and we we were slipping. Slip, our status as, as uh, in football was slipping practically year on year. And sadly, Phil couldn't uh, turn the tide. And we I remember that season, we went a huge amount of games without a win. Um, something like 17 or 18 games from the top of my head, I think it was. Um, and we were relegated to League One. Yeah. Um, and you, you were still in your associate director role at that point. Yes, well, obviously, it's a sad time for being in that lower division, and uh, like the fans would feel, we need to get back up there as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, this is where your role possibly changes slightly again, because um, change, there's been a change of ownership, I think. I'm right in saying, I mean, that's the time when the club changed hands, Jimenez, Slater, um, and... Charlton turned to another Charlton legend and Chris Powell became the manager. Yes. Uh, Chris came in and Phil, what happened, we'd had new owners come in. Yeah. And Tony Jimenez and Michael Slater were chairman and uh, head of things. And it became, um, I think I'm just trying to work out when they actually came in. But anyway, before Christmas, they'd, they'd come in. We were fifth in the league, I think, at the time. But of course, 
we were expected to do better. We lost at home to Swindon, something like 4-5-2. And on that evening, and it was completely out of the blue, because I didn't expect this to happen. And, and uh, Tony Jimenez, uh, I think he was in, pretty much in charge of the sacking at that time, I would think, um, <laughs> as a headman in many ways. Anyway, Phil was sacked. Kinsella went, Breaker went, and so there was no one that there was no one left there really to guide the ship. I was going to say you um, you found yourself, which must have been a lovely thing for you, Keith. You know, you found yourself as caretaker, use that word, manager of Cholton. Powley was on his way in; he hadn't joined at that stage, and there were two matches. Two matches that you took charge of. Yes, obviously, I, what happened? I was asked um, to whether I'd be willing to take over just for a game, mm. we had, and I, I didn't even know who we were playing in the next game. Actually, then, and I remember speaking to Peter Barnes and saying, well, "What's the game?" He said, "Oh, we're, we're we've got Tottenham in the cup next Saturday <laughs> and, yeah. and I'm telling you, Tottenham were flying to the foes on fire. Modric and oh, it was uh, a team to be feared. Yeah. Well, in all fairness, I'd love to have stepped in uh, when I was younger and that <laughs> to be child manager. Um, at any stage, just temporarily. But uh, I had to think about this one. But really, someone had to move up. Damien Matthew was taking the youth team and what, what happened, I took over for what well, turned out to be two games and um, the first one bit against Tottenham away and of course I had to make a, go into the training ground and have a talk with the players and, and the difficulty is often when a manager gets sacked he can be quite, maybe a lot of players are disgruntled. Yeah. Bill was very popular. And uh, I had to kind of have a little shake-up in terms of our mental approach to the game that was coming up. And uh, I, was, I was just prepared to take that one game. And um, Tony at the time assured me that by the time that game was over, he would have a manager in place. And it was, it was, <laughs> great, it was great going there to Tottenham. Well, you were uh, against Harry Redknapp, weren't you? Harry Redknapp. <laughs> and of course, Harry's great. Uh, have a chat with him before the game is on the he's got he, I've got to my the bench and they're lovely seats you could sit there and watch TV <laughs> lovely soft seats big arms there armchairs they were and I had Damien with me and I said to Damien you get up and do the the, the shouting and yelling if you need to or instructions to keep coming out from him on this on the uh, area yeah the area for the coach and I sat down and I think there was only one other person on the our big bench and, and that was um, our physio at the time Errol so yeah, yeah. I've looked across at Harry and went across just to shake hands with him and he's got he's got everyone there he's got Jordan he's got um, Les Ferdinand I think was on the bench All Kevin the, Bond Club, I'm sorry Kevin Bond Kevin Bond, of course. There were so many, I couldn't count them. Okay. Yeah. I just said, look, this is getting it. just look at the benches here. I've got one physio and you've got seven coaches. 
assistant managers, can I borrow some? <laughs> but he, he wouldn't let me have them. Um, but at the end of the game, we did terrific. We, we were doing all we could. It was nil-nil at half-time. But one thing happened at half-time. And, and here's a player I love. Modric had been rested for the game because they thought they must have enough strength. He helped beat Charlton in the lower division side at the time. Uh, but they weren't doing that. It was nil-nil. On came Modric. And uh, my friends, the utmost glory were crushed as the Charlton fans. Uh, we lost 3-0, but in a very, I think, good way. And the fans clapped us off at the end. Yeah, you gave, I remember you gave a really good account of yourselves as, as Charlton Athletic. First division team, then um, League One team, playing against the Giants, Spurs. Um, no, no, it was, a, it, was a, it was a great performance. But you had one more game after that then, Keith. I did. I was told that that was it, and then on the month because on the Monday, um, Tony and Michael said were going to have a meeting and get a new manager, who was a manager that did very well in later, but not with Charlton. Uh, it didn't take place, and it seemed as though it would, and so I was asked, could I take one more game? Hmm and give us more time to get the manager. And it was not until the Friday night we were playing uh, Sheffield Wednesday and uh, it was about the Friday night when it was uh, nailed down that Chris Powell would come in. So that was um, that was great. Chris had been um, Pearson's coach and, and Sven-Goran Eriksson's coach, hadn't he? Yes. At Leicester. Yes, yes. This, this would be his first actual managerial post. So, uh, but I was in charge for one league game and we've gone 2 nil up at Sheffield who were a really strong side then and uh, it was, it's looking fantastic and I'm thinking, well, Chris, do you know, you, I'm going to have to stay here. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but, but the bench, I was, I was up in the director's box as I like prefer watching the game there always and uh, uh, unfortunately, we drew 2-2 in the end, but it had, gave me a chance to uh, clap the fans that has come along, the faithful away fans, and they gave me a, a lovely send-off for my final game. So I was I was undefeated in the league, but not a particularly good cup run. No, but it, Keith, it must... It sort of finished off your... You, you, you must have been proud of yourself that you became child manager eventually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Funnily enough, when we talk about uh, being manager, and there was obviously that chance back at the beginning of the 90s of uh, a return in that role, but it worked out well for me. Yes, Because yes. I've had this longevity with the club, which is quite almost unique, you could say, um, and it was probably through not being a manager. Because being a manager, you're going to go at some stage. But anyway, that was the end of my foray as manager. But your role slightly changed again. Um, because I think what we'd like to do um, before we wrap up our final um, interview today is obviously talk about that fantastic year that Chris Powell had um, uh, getting us back yeah. into the championship. But um, your role's... Your role changed again. 
Yes, Chris asked me if I would be prepared to sound in an advisory capacity, just be in there probably a couple of days a week, uh, sometimes three, coming in on the morning, uh, not not doing any coaching as such. I think I put one or two little minor sessions on, but I'd come away from it um, completely now. And, and yes, I said I was prepared to do that. Chris was a great fella, and hopefully I was uh, someone in the background there that could always help us at most games. Certainly, all the home games, I'd be in the dressing room, and Chris did exceptionally well to begin with. Uh, tough for the first four months after a good start we won two or three games on the trot and then things uh, kind of evened out a bit and we didn't do that well and in the summer it was a huge thing in the summer i think we got about 15 of the 16 players new players in yes okay 15 players uh, must have been around that sort of number was a huge turnaround and huge change of the squad to clearly Doing one job, get us back up the league. Yes, I hadn't known anything quite like this at the end of it, any one season, wherever I had been, when we needed to get so many players in. And the list is incredible, really, when you look back. Ben Hamer came in as a goalkeeper. We had um, Bradley Wright Phillips, Scotty Wagstaff was a young fella coming through, Danny Holland from Bournemouth, along with Reese. Royce Wiggins, who was an outstanding left back at the time. Morrison came in the centre half. Johnny Jackson came back permanently, didn't he? Yeah, uh, John Jackson. He was was he on loan before? I don't know. Uh, well, he was on loan under Phil Parkinson, there. wasn't he? Yeah. Um, but then, whether he came in that year, I'm, yeah, I'm about yeah. to your knowledge. But yeah, he was certainly in the 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 earlier in the season, but he could have been alone. Yeah. So he's become full-time and a big influence he was going to be. Uh, Gary Stevens, Bradley Pritchard, Solly came into the reckoning as well. That was Chris Solly's breakthrough season, really, wasn't it? That's, that's what happened. Um, and it was uh, where he was the right back for all that's what proved to be a fantastic... Well, if you, if, if you look at some of these names, I'm just now looking at the list. And Andy Hughes. Yes. <laughs> what a character. Great character. Great to have in the dressing room. Inspirational. Coming to the end of his career, but everyone loved him. Absolutely. And then you had the Michael Morrison and Matt Taylor. Rocks at the back, didn't you? Yes. Um, and Dale Stevens. What a good player, though. Yes. Dale Stevens. Um, ball player. Kerbs. Uh, sorry, Kerbs. So many years of saying that. <laughs> uh, Chrissy Bell. Uh, loved Stevens. Yeah. I, sometimes I'd look at him and think, oh, maybe you, you should have done this or picked up there. And Chris did exactly the right thing. He would give him that extra license to make that winning pass and he could score a goal as well. And he, he really he got, he gave us an extra edge in that midfield. But also, a man came in by the name of Yang Kermigan. Well, Yang came in a little bit uh, through the season, didn't he? He came in um, not right at the start of the season. Not right at the start, no. That was a, a, a late one to, to add to a 
formidable list of new players coming into the building, you could say. Well, he, he formed an immediate, fantastic partnership with Bradley Wright Phillips. Yes. And, and Jan was a superb, was a very good all-round player. As a, a full-back, when you got the ball, you knew which way he was going to go, come short, go long, go to the side. Um, very powerful and one of the best headers of the ball they uh, the see. You know, we, we in the last episode, we talked about legends and we talked about George Costa becoming a legend. Mm. Well, yeah. um, Jan did, didn't he? Jan, it, it, I mean, what an incredible season he had for us. Yes, the, the, the crowd just loved him. And, and rightly so, he could change the game, scored some magnificent goals, uh, had a big influence on the team. And, and Chris said to me, he said, Keith, I bought this, I'm bringing this fella in. He said, you'll love him because he's got such great uh, heading power and I think he can do well. But he didn't really, it didn't work out for him at Leicester when he had him at Leicester. We, we're getting him on a free transfer. And of course, as you could say, the rest is history from a free transfer. We ended up selling for half a million. And that was a bargain. Well, yes, it was. It was a big blow to Charlton fans when he left. I mean, incredible player. But that season, that season under Chris Powell and. Uh, Dyer as well, Alex Dyer as well. Alex Dyer did, did a great job, his right hand man there. Ben Roberts was a goalkeeping coach. That's right. That's and right. Damien, Damien was about as well as the extra man taking the reserves and also the first team as uh, you know at different times. So we had well, a nice strong. But it was a squad and it was added to at the right time as well with players like Leon, uh, Leon Court. Vital. Vital that was, and he had to wait months before he could get in the side because he yes. kept winning. Um, then Taylor Taylor took a knot and he came in, and I think he was finished the season uh, in the side. I'm, I'm not sure. Look back, uh, but that was vital. He, he played a great role and great uh, character and the atmosphere. The atmosphere of the whole club going as well. What? Um, when did you realise that the, uh, you built a special side, Keith, you guys at the club then? When did you realise that this, this might become a, a hell of a good season for us? Yes, I, this, this soon was unfailing really as, it, as we were going along. Kurt, once Jan came, I think that was, that was a key. It's a key. I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips scored lots of goals to begin with and then he went a little bit dry and then scored again towards the end if my memory serves me correct and um yeah i think it was kurt kermigan when he came in and made that little bit of an extra difference yeah but the, the bringing in players at the right time is a crucial part of management isn't it Pete? it is as it was when we go back to the playoff days when we brought yows and Mills in to bolster the team at that stage, and Sasha came in as well. Yes. Um, so it's a new burst of enthusiasm, and if they're good players, they, they can give you the extra plus forward. But we were we were flying. It was an incredible season. We just kept playing good football. We, we had defended well, got forward well, 
We scored 103. We got 103 points, didn't we? 101, 101, 101, 101 points, yeah, incredible. Yeah, I like to exaggerate. Yes, yeah. <laughs> You're allowed. No, that, no, that was just incredible. And strangely enough, I've been coming in for the last sort of half a dozen games or so, and uh, or even more. And many of the fans, oh, we've got to win today, we've got to win. <laughs> well, you, you could just enjoy the game today because yeah. we were, we were yes. in such a strong position. But um, even so, everyone was nervous still until we got over the line and eventually became champions. It was a magnificent all-round um, thing. And talking about getting the players, I've got to probably mention Peter Varney here. Yes. Who acted a great go-between between the uh, board of uh, Tony Jimenez in particular would be uh, down to the ground quite a bit um, with him and... Chrissy Powell, enabling him to get the players. The lists were made down, passed on to Peter, and he would do a lot of scut work to help get this team together. So, um, and I and I know that um, an awful lot of the players were signed early in the close season. Get your business done quickly. I know that was the Charlton style. Yeah. It's certainly Peter's style at that time. Um, and how important is that? to actually get your transfer targets, get them in place early in the close season? Yes, we've made lists of uh, we're getting the office together there and the list will be made of order of preference. Now, you know, it's like you, you, may, you may have got number three or number four on the list as, as it goes, but we did it quite quickly um, and they, they worked out well. Everyone had a, a little bit of an input because he found Ben Roberts as well, David and Alex Dyer. They all put some, what players they could put forward they felt we should get. And Peter, it pains me to keep praising him because I don't, something I don't enjoy doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, it, it, it worked well. It was a perfect situation, that. And um, we got a lot of our number one people in because we did it so easily. As that season finished, straight in, got it done as much as we possibly could. I remember uh, you used to have a board up on your office there with, with players in each position, target players. Yes. Yeah, we'd have that and obviously some would be crossed off and then uh, with with those there, we want the ones that we right at the top of the list. And then quickly, if, we, if they go out the window, if number one goes out, we go to number two, or someone else comes from the side. It's, uh, it's an interesting situation when you can start from, almost start from scratch. Well, absolutely. And, and it was an incredible, incredible year for, for Charlton Athletic. We're back up. Uh, we got back into the championship. Um, but did your role continue as to sort of Football advisor, football consultant. Yes. Did that continue there? That continued into the. We got promotion. We had the next season. We came. Uh, Something on like that? Yeah, very respectable. We continued. Yeah. We look as though, oh, we're, we're back to the old Charlton now. This is going to establish ourselves in the championship. Um, and then we had a few. We had a change of ownership. Yes. And that was just before Christmas, if I'm correct, just before Christmas. 
right, vital times because we're now looking to sign players for the future that are already at the club, like Yad and uh, a few others, and also to try and get players in. And, and that kind of got messy and things didn't happen perhaps the way uh, we were hoping. But mm. the new owners were there, they're going to do it their way, which any new owners that come in will do things the way they want because they've got the right to it to degree. Um, and it was very, very unfortunate, probably what happened um, into March, I think we were, and uh, Chris uh, was sacked. Yeah, um, you know, it's a very disappointing because Chris was very, very popular and they've done a great job. Fantastic. Was, yeah, yeah, that was a fairly short period. Um, Chris, already a legend as a player, became a legend as a manager for what he did there. Absolutely. We, went, we went into a new era um, where it was stable in, in many ways and certainly financially and everything. And um, then we went through a, a number of managers came and went fairly quickly, you could say, after that. Yes, I mean, you know, we're coming to the end of, uh, of, of our series now, Keith. Um, but, um, yeah, it was a bit of a merry-go-round at that time. Jose Riga came in, followed by Bob Peters. and Damien had a go as well, didn't he? I think Damien held the fall. Your assistant at Spurs... Yes, game. I think he had a, a match or so at Watford. Yes, uh, and he just came back. Uh, I think Luizon was yeah, guy Luizon. Yeah, yeah he, he was coming in. He was coming in. He was actually at the game and he was going to take over. So Ben, I think Ben Roberts and uh, Damien go for that that one time. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a period that lots have been said about, but. Uh, We'll, we will move forward because if you read out the list of managers there, you might want to put not calling it some Johns at the end of that. I think it's uh, Riga, Peters, Matthew, Luzon, Freya, Riga again. Russell Slade came in. Um, Kevin Newton had a go. Carl Robinson came in, obviously. But Carl Robinson brought Lee Bowyer back. And it turned out to be a terrific. Yeah, uh, I think Bo was was just around the place to begin with, and saying he he was happy to be coaching and in with it, and uh, and then the rest becomes history. Now Bo came in, Carl went to Oxford uh, after a number of months, and uh, had his chance to go there. He went, Bo took over, and the job he did in that time to the end of the season and then next season was absolutely incredible. Assisted by Johnny Jackson, of course. Johnny Jackson was marvellous at doing all the work with the players and young, enthusiastic to join in any session at any time, as both was still very fit and still yeah. So he can show uh, some of the young players and some of the older players uh, what to do and he can put it into action as well, which is always nice. So Keith, as we as we come to the end of this, just let's let's just get your perspective on the job Lee Bowyer did, particularly at Johnny Jackson last year, culminating in that incredible day at Wembley. Yes, and the goalkeeper and coach Marshall should should be measured with a number of people behind the scenes as well. Yes, Brett, who's done so well, Brett Shaw, on on the analyst 
side. But yeah, no, it, it was a magnificent achievement because we sold Hearn Grant at a time when we would be hoping to get someone in. But um, yes, like often happens at many, many clubs, um, we had we had to let him go, and um, yet we still managed to fight on, fill the gaps that had happened with other players, and the team kept going. The spirit was magnificent, and that well, was getting 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 Lyle Taylor in was important, wasn't it? Yes, Lyle Taylor was, uh, was exceptional. He was, I mean, at Charlton, probably the, the best he's ever, it is the best he's ever done at any club beforehand. Although he was showing stuff uh, at Wimbledon that he could be a bit of a handful. Now he came to Charlton. It's a great move for him, and of course, an exceptional move for us uh, to get him to lead the line. Got so many goals, assisted in so many, a real character out of the field. And then we got to Wembley, and you know, what, what a fairly exciting game. Well, fairly, yeah. yeah. But I, I also think we should mention um, uh, how how brilliant Lee, Johnny and, and the club were at that time in playing the loan transfer market. Because yes. the quality of the players we brought in that season was was unbelievable. I mean, Josh Cullen, Christian Bielik, I mean, they, these players had Massive influence on the season, didn't it? Yes. So usually you have to pay money, you know, good money to get players like that in. Uh, Steve Gallen, obviously behind the scenes, was doing a terrific job and tying up with the the, the manager Bo and the rest. And he was getting players in there, helping to get players in. And Bo himself was getting players in of the real quality. And you can see that. Straight away, you can see what Bo likes in a player. This, they've got to be effervescent. They've got to be hard-working. Um, otherwise, he, they don't last too long at all. And we've got players in there that just lift the club. And normally, you'd have to pay big money to get that sort of player. But it worked out superbly. And, of course, fans had another great day when we final. So, um, Keith, we're... we're, we're Drastically running out of time now. It's been a fantastic series. We could we could talk for hours and hours and hours more because you're still so so influential around the club on a mat. Everyone sees you on a match day. You've now got your own lounge there, mind you. You're working your way through the stadium in terms of named lounges. I think. <laughs> um, but but uh, let's. Can I? Can I just? Get your view on where on football now. I mean, obviously, this is a very, very difficult time. It's never been known before where football's just been halted like this. Sport has been halted. It would be, it would be, in my opinion, it would be terrible if, if um, the league status up or down is is decided by a formula. I wonder what you think. Well, I totally agree with that. One thing it shouldn't be decided is by a formula. We've just gone through some history at. Uh, West Ham, nine yeah. games to go. Actually, there's nine games to go in this season for us. Exactly. exactly. Uh, West Ham won seven of that nine against teams at the top of the league, and so it goes. Other teams um, drop from nowhere. I can relate to with the time we've mentioned in 1972. We had ten games to go. 
we lost eight and drew two yes and went down so yes. these things are always there that, that the computer you can't put into a computer no and, and we, we were only in the bottom three the few days before the lockdown yes the last game that actually put us into the bottom three for yeah. the very first time i mean and it's a difficult scenario i mean my my stance on it keith is is if you can finish the season somehow um that's preferable if it's not possible then i just think you've got to null and void it I, I honestly don't see formulas you'll have legal disputes forever yes no i i, I agree with you I think it's very difficult. I'm glad I'm not having to be in the position. Yeah, well, so am I. As so many things in the country at the moment, um, the top people, from the Prime Minister to the football fraternity at the top, very, very difficult to sort these out. And uh, let's hope they do what is right and turns out to be the right thing. And yeah, I hope they have a fair crack. I, I think so, and, and let's hope that the situation at Charlton settles down because Lee Bowyer and Johnny Jackson and um, Etel, they've proved how good they are and we're a fair wind. You know, um, I'm sure Charlton could do even better because we know the potentials there. We've discussed it over the course of these weeks. We're, we know the potential is there. We've been in the Premier League and as established club. So let's just hope it all settles down soon. Football gets back. Charlton get back to winning ways. And um, the journey will continue. Well, certainly hope so. And obviously, having been at Charlton for, I don't know how many years of my life, 55 to 60 years of my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I tend to be optimistic, and something will always come up, hopefully, yeah. to be the right thing. Someone will come up with the right formula, etc. And I, all I can say is um, a big thank you for all the Charlton fans. Have changed probably through the years with their, their granddads and dads who were watching me from those early years, uh, as I've talked about the career, and. Um, you know, we've had terrific years and the ups and downs. Hopefully, we'll have a lot more ups in the future. Well, I, I hear here because you know Charlton's um, such a resilient club, and the fans are so resilient and so clever. The fans are clever as well, um, and I just feel uh, this is a, a big club waiting to explode again. And I just hope um, we all get to. Uh, good news on 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 the end of this season front and on the situation the ownership of the club and move forward positive positively together but keith this has been a, an absolute pleasure for me we've known each other a long time but please, please pick your brains and get your your reminiscences has been an absolute delight for me so thank you very much indeed for all your time and um i hope you've enjoyed it as well keith no, I've, I've very much enjoyed it. It's so good going down memory lane. There are so many things that I haven't been able to talk about. Of course. Hopefully yeah. it would be funny. Even the fact that help from you, actually. But I got my dream of playing at Wembley. Well, uh, I wasn't going to say I was, that, I was, Keith. But... I, was, I was 52. 
But um, yeah, your legs have gone, Keith. But I still pick you. Oh, look, they hadn't gone as much as the other legs that were around me. No, <laughs> Randy Wilson, Bob Bolden, different ones. But um, different things happen in this life. You just don't know what's in store, and in football in particular. But I'm just grateful and very thankful for to be able to reminisce over a long period of time that has so many eventful and very enjoyable moments. And thank you, Sidney. Good talking to you. No, thanks, uh, Keith. And, and as we said, Keith and I are both uh, very proud ambassadors of Charlton's Trust. So, and I know lots of you have been making donations, and it is really appreciated. So, can I ask you one more time if you've enjoyed these? And I, I know you have. If you've enjoyed these, then you would feel like making a donation to CACT particularly at this time when, when they're doing such important work in the community, as they always do, but even at this time. Please go to uh, make a donation via cat.org.uk forward slash donate. Keith, it's been a pleasure. I'll see you anon, and uh, thanks ever so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.